Fearless Training More Knowledge Podcast and the first episode. And this series is everything training, nutrition, and lifestyle. So we're going to get into the nuts and bolts on this podcast. We're going to be avoiding the niceties. We're going to get into the raw, real truth about anything relating to the given topics. So if you're watching this on YouTube, this will be a shortened version. And if you are listening to it, then you are probably subscribed to us on iTunes. And if you're not already, please subscribe if you enjoy these episodes, the content we talk about, and the ideas and notions that we are sharing. It is all in essence to raise the industry standard and create a more positive impact going forward. Because I believe that we do need to raise the standard of the strength and conditioning and the fitness industry as a whole because we need to provide better and more sound content and more importantly we need to put context to it because it's not about right or wrong it's more about what is in alignment to your goals what is sound if you like and congruent to those goals and first of all we have to identify them but without further ado my first guest athlete friend on this episode is none other than Yuri Rus. Yuri is one of the strongest natural powerlifters in Slovenia. He's a very, very talented young man. He's also a dentist. He has his own practice in Slovenia back in Europe. And I first met Yuri a couple of years ago at a facility called Hold Your Own, one of the best strength-based facilities here in the Gold Coast. And uh, we got chatting, we had a lot of like-minded thoughts and interests. And uh, he's back out here, or he was just back out here recently, and I thought what better opportunity to have a chat and share some of his wisdom than on the more knowledge podcasts. So in this episode, we get into bringing it back to basics, what it really takes to achieve your physique goals at a raw minimum, especially if you are someone chasing strength, increasing lean body mass, and having a desirable body composition in relation to having a lifestyle as well, and someone who is a professional like Yuri, fitting it into a busy schedule, having a relationship, and having other responsibilities too. So guys, just a quick one. If you do like these episodes, once again, remember to like, share, and subscribe for more. And if you've got any questions and you've got any feedback, please do give us a rating. Really appreciate it, as it does help the channel grow and share this better knowledge. There's lots of exciting episodes to come, and uh, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Yuri Rus. Hey everybody, and welcome back to Fearless Training United with myself, Alex Connor, and at the start of the Raw Knowledge Podcast, and if you're watching this video series as well. <laughs> maybe, maybe we should go again because I was looking at my phone. So. Oh, that's okay, okay. You ready? Yeah, you ready? Ready? Okay, there we go. It is, I can edit it, so it's fine. Plus, it'll be funny. Um... <laughs> Welcome back everybody to the Fearless Training United podcast. This is the first of the series of the raw knowledge. And if you're watching this as well, we've probably uploaded it to a YouTube video or we condensed it down to a YouTube video as well. So this is everything training, nutrition, lifestyle. And today I'm joined by friend, fellow athlete, 
and professional Yuri Roos. Am I pronouncing that right, Yuri? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so. yeah, so so. <laughs> so as you can tell, Slovenia, or should I say, Yuri is Slovenian. I'm representing the shirt today. Uh, so if I mispronounce things, I'm sure Yuri will correct me. Now, we're gonna be going through some Q&A, pretty much just deriving some of the best tactics, basic skills, anything that will contribute to help you guys achieve your health and fitness goals, especially if you're a strength-based athlete. I'm gonna let Yuri do the talking uh, for him mostly, but uh, to give him a bit of an introduction, he's the strongest man in Slovenia, and he Power is a powerlifter. The strongest powerlifter. Strongest powerlifter. <laughs> Not the strongest man. Because <laughs> maybe there's probably someone out there just jacking some serious weight. Maybe. Yeah, we have some. Uh, we have a really good strongman. Okay, fair yeah. enough. So there you go. They, they are stronger usually than powerlifters. If you if you look at their general preparedness. Okay. Uh, but they don't look as jacked as you. It's <laughs> so like a power builder, which I'm sure you'll see. And we're gonna flick between some clips as well of Yuri's training, my training, and you can see the difference between more of the powerlifting focus and more of the you know the bodybuilding focus, if you like. But anyway, without further ado. We're gonna get into it. We're gonna ask Yuri some questions and hopefully you guys can take a lot out of this and learn something and apply it to your own training as well. So Yuri, maybe a bit of an introduction. Tell people a bit about you know yourself, how you got into lifting, what you mainly do as a powerlifter, where you're based, and I guess just some basic, you know. Yeah, actually I used to play soccer. Okay. Uh, back, yeah, back wow. in Slovenia. So that was up until the age of 15, something like that. Yeah. I started training with weights just to be better at soccer. Uh, with at around 12, 13 mm -hmm. years of age. Uh, I started training at home. Uh, I just bought some equipment for like 100 euros. Uh, it was a bench with some very basic uh, uh, extras. And I was just hitting that like every day for a few hours. Nice. And I noticed the uh, first signs of uh, uh, progress uh, after a few months. And then I think that after a year or so, when I finished my primary school and when I enrolled to high school, uh, I went to the local gym Right. Okay. and I started training more, uh, I wouldn't say more seriously, I would say maybe I was exposed to more equipment. Okay. So and I, you would have been about what, like 13, uh, 14 uh, at the time? Uh, 15. About 15, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so then I, I started training as a typical bodybuilder. That was around two, 2005, 2006. So there wasn't so many maybe info about training or training specific material mm -hmm. on online at that time yet. So what if you just Google training or strength training, it was usually sort of a bodybuilding uh, uh, style of training. Yeah, it wasn't really like as popular yet. Yeah, yeah. As, as no, no, I, I don't think anybody knew anything about maybe power building or power lifting specific training back then. Okay. So you, you, you would have power lifters, even in Slovenia, some, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say that they were following some progressive overloads or some seriously structured uh, training plans. They were just training. Things. It's more like intuitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just maybe things that yeah, they've read yeah, and whatnot, like didn't yeah. have any coaching or anything yeah. like that. But I would say that the majority of the things you could read were about bodybuilding. So I got into bodybuilding. Um, 
I never wanted to do drugs, so performance enhancing substances. So that's why I stick to being a natural lifter throughout the years. Um, so I started training at the gym uh, probably in 2006. Right. Okay. And my first comp was in 2009. And this was obviously in bodybuilding. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I think I was 17. Yeah. Yeah. How, so how did that go for you? That first comp, like obviously learned. I actually won. It. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Yeah. Uh, it was a junior division. I think it was sort of a fitness class, something mm. like that. But I won. And, and this is in your hometown. No, that. Uh, there were not a lot of uh, bodybuilding shows in Slovenia, right. so we had to go abroad, and I think it was in Austria or right. Germany. So between the years of 2006, 2010, I would do several shows, but mostly abroad, uh, and they were, I think all of them were untested ones, right? Okay. because natural bodybuilding didn't really exist back then in Europe. Um, and I think I did my first tested meet in 2011. Right. Uh, that was for like powerlifting meet? Uh, no, the bodybuilding. Oh, still the bodybuilding. Yeah, okay, still right. bodybuilding. So that's uh, when people started to become aware of people perhaps yeah, uh, using yeah, yeah. the performance enhancer. Yeah, but I, we had to go to California. Right. So actually my first uh, natural bodybuilding meet was in California, in San Francisco. There you go. Uh, and the I, competition would have been a lot better, I imagine, over there were a lot more competitive to a degree. Uh, I wouldn't say a lot better because back at home I was competing against untested athletes. Okay. So I have not I have nothing against somebody using whatever he or uh, she wants. Uh, so I competed in untested federations and I was just competing against people that might have been using something. Yeah. But you so when I switched sure. to natural bodybuilding, it wasn't that the uh, competition then. It, it, I wouldn't say it was the competition was fiercer. I would just say it, yeah. Because maybe at that time there wasn't you know the, the standard of natural bodybuilding now is is obviously as we know very high. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So perhaps yeah. then it was. Yeah. More yeah. Like it was a, a bit similar. It was a bit different. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that was my first national shows, and then during the years I've done several others, and my last one was in 2013, uh, I think in November in Miami, um, yes, and that was it. And in 2014, 2015, I got uh, keen on body uh, on powerlifting. What What was the like? Do you remember? Was it what is a a time or a place or someone you met that? made you kind of go, you know, powerlifting, I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be better for me, was, can so, you kind of pinpoint it when you so made the transition? So, in the first years of training, I was doing that typical bodybuilding split, mm. like every muscle group once per week, maybe twice, uh, 8 to 12 rep range and everything like that. Uh, and then, as I progressed, I realized that you have to train heavy or heavier to progress as a natural bodybuilder. Mm -hmm. So basically what I did was just, I started including some some sets of three to five or something like that uh, on the compound movement, like squat, bench press, deadlift. Uh, so you, you kind of start training with heavier weights. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You get more into a 
power building style of training. Bit of a hybrid. Yeah. So we we sorry to interrupt, but were you before powerlifting? You were obviously squatting, benching, deadlifting. Did you understand the importance of it then? No. Or was it only when you no. started powerlifting? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, I wouldn't say that. I, so when I started doing the this three compound movements that are that are actually essential to any lifting program, mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't uh, say that I was a power lifter then, because I was still a bodybuilder. I just realized that I have to train with heavier weights to improve. Yes. Because you, you can do eight to twelve all day long, but you can get only so much out of it. Yeah. So you you just have to go heavy, sometimes. Yeah. Um, and when that transition happened, I sort of got. Uh, I got fond of powerlifting because it was more sport-like. Mm -hmm. So basically, I like the process of getting into contest shape as a bodybuilder, but as far as comp day goes, it's it's not really as... It's a bit short-lived. Yeah, and it's not really a sport. So It's, it's very subjective. Yeah, yeah. As, to the people yeah, judging Compared you. to powerlifting, where it doesn't matter how you look like, you just go there, mm. you lift. You have to lift on that day. So basically it doesn't matter what you do up to that day, uh, day you just have to lift on that day. And uh, it's, it's more like some other sports mm -hmm. and it's more objective. Yeah, um, so, so you lift the weight yeah. when you don't. Yeah, so that's why I, like, I started to like powerlifting uh, and the big, big factor was the fact that there were actually no good natural bodybuilding competitions in Slovenia and in the closer regions uh, in Europe. So you felt like there wasn't much competition for you in, in at that time? No, it, so not, yeah, so not for me. Yeah, uh, for, for what you wanted but to do. But there were actually no natural bodybuilding right. competitions. Okay. So yeah, it's completely different from let's say being here in Australia when you have an abundance yeah there was yeah, yeah there's back, back then in europe yeah you only had maybe a few to choose from yeah um and even those were usually not that as good as you expect them and, to and be we're so. talking like early 2000s then are we uh, early two thousand tens, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so around two thousand ten, I would say. Okay. In the just to put it into context. Yeah, yeah. In the recent years, there has yeah. been obviously some progress, even in the field of natural bodybuilding. And, and for those of you who don't know, Yuri is twenty seven. I'm twenty seven myself, so you can kind of get a bit of context to that. Yeah, yeah. In terms of you know the time frame. So the last bodybuilding comp I did was in two thousand thirteen, like I said. Mm -hmm. uh, two thousand fourteen, fifteen were was more of a transition from bodybuilding to powerlifting. Yeah. Um, then I did our first IPF nationals in 2015, and my first international meet was 2016. Um, and then actually in 2017, I won the European um, 83 class. Um, so that's, I would say that's the biggest uh, achievement. Uh, my biggest achievement in powerlifting so far. That's, yeah, it's pretty um, yeah. impressive. Yeah, so. Yeah. Fantastic, fantastic. And you've always been, obviously you were born in Sylvania, you've been based there most of your life, and you've competed in bodybuilding and now powerlifting away from those areas. 
do you think that from the places that you've been to uh, and visited and competed in obviously you've made friends and connections was there anywhere else that you think oh you know that would be a, a great place to base myself for your sport um, in terms of like you think there'd be a benefit to say living in America or somewhere like you know Australia for a powerlifter for you know I imagine I don't know if you're going to get into bodybuilding again but do you think there is a better environment for it like you mentioned there wasn't much in Europe at that time yeah I, I, would, say, I would say that as far as powerlifting is concerned you you have quite a lot of good meets in Europe yeah um, at that time so in a few years ago when I was still competing in bodybuilding there were no bodybuilding uh, or very few bodybuilding natural bodybuilding competitions mm -hmm. so at that time I would say yeah it's better if you lived in the States or maybe here um, honestly I don't know exactly how it is now but I can imagine that things have improved yeah so probably yeah right now it doesn't matter where you live um, but as far as let's say powerlifting goes uh, and Slovenian powerlifting uh, we get no funding from the government there are basically no um, there's not much support yeah there's no the support yeah. yeah so we have to buy our own uh, powerlifting equipment powerlifting specific equipment uh, so let's say up to a few years ago there were no calibrated plates almost in the whole country mm -hmm. or no bars and I own a gym in Slovenia so yeah then I just bought some uh, IPF approved uh, racks, uh, rack, uh, yeah, racks, bars, uh, plates mm -hmm. just to get the sport uh, going going again yeah so, so yeah so now it, it, it's become better uh, with the uh, with powerlifting gaining with raw powerlifting gaining popularity in the recent years, yeah. Now it's easier to get the equipment, I would say, and because more people are interested in using it, it's more uh, accessible. Yeah, it's more. It yeah, yeah. But again, it's something. Com it's completely different. Let's say back home compared to the states. Mm -hmm. Uh, where you basic, basically every gym has a pretty good, pretty decent equipment. It's, yeah, you have yeah. an abundance of it. You're yeah. quite spoiled for gyms yeah. there yeah. over in the United States. Um, so, yeah, and here it's it's probably similar. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, basically, I, th I think that if you want to train now in the year 2019, you can pretty much do it in anywhere. Yeah, yeah. it seems like, yeah, there is, a, we have, we are quite lucky. I think living in this day and age now, we, we've generally got access to a lot of um, luxuries that we didn't have back, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 yeah, years yeah, ago. And yeah. I think the things that are more niche, because I think powerlifting now is definitely, you know, bodybuilding especially, yeah. is definitely more I would say now. I would say that it's the same in Slovenia. Mm -hmm. Maybe we are just a year, two or three behind. So whatever is happening here now will be happening in Slovenia in terms of the yeah but, yeah yeah but yeah. Uh, but that's a really general remark yeah but, that's but very relative to the yeah, sport isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah but i would say okay so before we move on to the next sort of topic the or question that i want to ask i want to segue so you mentioned you own a gym in slovenia do you want to tell us a little bit about that how you sort of got into owning a gym what your gym is obviously based around i imagine more powerlifting and then also do you work within the gym you know what do you do for work obviously i know but you know, tell the viewers, you know, how 
what you do for work, what your profession is, and how that aligns with your sort of powerlifting goals. So basically, I've I've had the gym for five years now. Mm-hmm. I think it was five five years in November. Um, I was still a student back there uh, then, and I just wanted a place to train. And then the the most reasonable thing seemed to be to just open a gym mm-hmm. uh, and try to make sort of a small business out of it. Not not to make money, but just to maybe build an environment for people to train mm-hmm. um, in. So that was basically it. And it's I would say owning a gym is a lot harder than it maybe yeah. looks like at first sight. Yeah, I find it's, it's really popular now. Everyone, well, there's a lot of people that get into the fitness industry, whether it's personal training or coaching, yeah. or just becoming a lifter, and they want to own a gym. And I'm, I'm not quite sure if they're aware of, you know, everything that's involved with running yeah, a gym. Yeah, and it, now, it, it, yeah, you, know, you obviously know that. At, at times, it can be really, yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems glamorous, doesn't it? Yeah, but then then again, if let's say if you're a personal trainer that's in love with personal training and you want to train clients, I would my advice is not to open a gym because you don't have the time. Because then, yeah, you have to spend a few hours a day maybe doing something at the gym Mm -hmm. or on the gym or whatever, uh, and you basically lose time for your clients, or you just have to put in some extra hours um, so yeah basically if you want to be a personal trainer just find a good gym and train your clients there maybe connect somehow somehow yeah uh, because yeah in the recent years it's been quite popular to open a gym um, but I, I think it's like a three to five year cycle so basically open a gym mm-hmm. you think it's going to be okay and then after a year, even uh, although it's not, it's almost always it's not going okay. The novelty kind of wears off. Yeah. So, but because you've already put so much effort into it, you say, "Oh, I'll I'll give it a go." Yeah. Let's say for a year, and then another year passes, and you think, "Okay, did this year we, we're gonna make it?" Yeah. And this then, will be the year. Yeah. And then it's the third year, and. I'd say that between years three to five, yeah, then the, maybe the gyms uh, close and some new ones emerge. So it's become quite uh, easy to open a gym, mm-hmm. but to to have it running for several years, it's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, it's, it's a it's, different story, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've got these big gym chains around. Yeah. You, but if you're opening a gym, I find or a facility. You gotta uh, you've got to be very niche and know that depending demographically where you are I think do you have you know those clientele around you and do you have a large following as maybe a trainer or a coach or someone that's already established within yeah. your area to be able to provide that momentum because like you said you know it's a new gym pops up and it can be a bit of a novelty you know you get the people who want to join because it's the new gym but if it's not part of a chain or you can't provide the service of you know you, you know, like you said, you're going to have other competing gyms and it kind of fades away a little bit. Yeah. So I guess you've done really well to, to sustain that, keep it open. And obviously, as yeah, I've discovered, it, it, it's, it's more niche. It's, it's been okay, but uh, I don't have uh, high expect- expectations. So yeah, it's it, not your main priority. Yeah, yeah. So besides owning a gym, I'm actually a dentist. Right. I opened my own private practice uh, 
the, so in 2017, uh, and I actually went into a partnership with a good friend of mine uh, last year in 2018, and we moved to new uh, facilities uh, like half a year ago, and yeah, yeah, it, it's been going really well. Uh, so that's my main thing um, that takes up most of my time. Yeah. So I which, you, which you're very passionate about. Yeah. Usually I, I work like 50 to 60 hours weekly. Uh, so yeah, and then you add up, uh, you add in training sessions <laughs> and maybe some work uh, in the gym and uh, yeah. It's and then the days, the days. Yeah, the, the days just, they just fly by. <laughs> And and for those of you listening and watching, uh, when when me and me, uh, when me and Yuri uh, met and Eva, uh, Yuri's now wife, uh, a couple of years ago, you've made a lot of progress since then in terms of I mean not only your lifting but your working career like opening up this new facility and I mean I think that's kudos to you as well. So, how do you find then for for other people out there who have a really busy schedule and they're very serious about their training and their lifting, is there any strategies? that you've learned or that you implement to help you kind of get your training in efficiently as well as obviously, you know, you're running a gym and, you know, you're, you're full-time, you know, we, he, <laughs> Yuri, uh, you can find Yuri, I'll put his links in the description below, but he's the power dentist, <laughs> as he refers himself <laughs> to, uh, which is pretty cool, I think. But yeah, so maybe talk a little bit about how you make all that work in, in the busy schedule that we all have today. Yeah, basically, most of the time it's hard work, but when you're working for something that's your passion, it's usually not hard. But yeah, it takes a lot of your time. Uh, but then again, I always say that if I wasn't training, I wouldn't be a successful dentist. Because if your mind is only in I don't know, a certain field and you only do that, all day every day it's after a while you, you just you're not as effective or maybe not as enthusiastic about it mm -hmm. and in the long run you're actually worse at doing it because maybe it's it's too consuming like you're spending too much time just doing one thing yeah yeah rather yeah, than having yeah. a little mental break to yeah, do something yeah, slightly yeah. different and we tend to procrastinate a lot people in general yeah so Agreed. the ones the ones that are usually saying oh I don't have time they have like six hours a day mm -hmm. uh, so we I think that we can put ourselves up to way more things that we think that we could yeah so yeah about like the balance in terms of like fitting it in so yeah so you say like you, you your attention is on one thing but you believe you need to have other things as well to yeah, sustain so, so I, I think that. it's really important to have several different things in life mm -hmm. so several 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 why yeah. seven to start with uh, several no, no, not seven so, oh, okay. so more than few oh right yeah uh, because let's say I'm a power lifter mm -hmm. uh, if I get injured because I have so many other things going on, it's not so devastating. Yeah. So you can just switch. In terms of obviously, it's so not you, like you, you don't care. Yeah, you just it's have not. Other yeah, it's not that I don't care. Yeah, it's yeah. You know that you have different things in life, 
that you're passionate about. Mm -hmm. So if you are sort of, yeah, if you have to deal with an injury in powerlifting or bodybuilding, uh, because that's not your whole world, uh, it's easier to cope with mm -hmm. the injury. Uh, and I think you even maybe get out of it sooner and then you start enjoying training even more. Um, so that's one of the reason, uh, reasons I think it's nice to have several different things. Mm -hmm. And let's say dentistry is quite a demanding profession. Mm -hmm. uh, so in addition to always having to learn something, yeah. Uh, it's also physically quite demanding. If you go on your feet all day. Uh, well, actually, we're sitting all day, and you are into you're sort of uh, in an you're using in a, like yeah in a forced skills. position. Yeah, it's quite cause it requires because it requires a lot of focus. A lot of focus, and you always want to adapt to the patient, so you want to make it as pleasant for the patient as possible, and you end up being maybe a bit twisted. Ah, yeah. yeah, but to the benefit of the patient. Yeah, the yeah, you're a bit twisted. Your head is always tilted downwards. Uh, and if, let's say, you're not active, very quickly you can develop some neck pains or back pain or something like that. Yeah. Uh, so just considering this, you have to be active as, mm -hmm. a, as a dentist. It definitely helps, I imagine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or I think even with every other profession, uh, you just at least three, two to three times a week you have to be active, mm -hmm. and uh, ideally uh, you do sort of a strength training two to three times a week, yeah, just to stay fit. And if you have extra hours, you could use for training. You can add some uh, maybe aerobic uh, exercises. Some matches in there. As yeah, well. but yeah. I would say that the staple should be. Uh, just some um, uh, basic strength training. And is this, do you think this is for everyone who's in that kind of role or just for dentistry? No, I, I would say that's for basically anybody. Yeah, yeah. which we, we, yeah. Sure and we are both believers of the, the benefits of strength training, regardless of whether it's for yeah. performance yeah. or just you know health in general. Like yeah. We know it's beneficial yeah. to do for most people. And actually you can get away with so much more if you're... Uh, active so I mean as far as nutrition goes as far as I don't know working hours go uh, goes you, you can you can work longer if you're active because you're more fit yeah um, you have that stamina don't yeah you? yeah I think Matt and as well it, it's one of those I don't know if you agree Yuri on this but the paradox of working out is I find even though you expend more energy, it almost seems to give you more energy yeah, in, yeah, in a yeah. you know in a physical and a mental yeah, sense. You're in a better mind. Yeah. Often after a long day of work, I feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. It's mostly probably mentally. Because you're so yeah. focused on the Then I drag myself to the gym and during the session, yeah, it's kind of I'm reborn. Yeah. It's you have yeah. like a second wind. Yeah, yeah. 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 And it's a it's a great feeling. And deadlifting like two forty yeah. is the magic. Number, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we'll, we'll get into a little bit of that. Um, and you have to. Um, well, have eat chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a cereal Yuri enjoys. And uh, yeah, I wanted to stress it out that you shouldn't be. Um, so, you should do everything in moderation, mm -hmm. even training wise. Uh, because if you, 
I don't know, if you want to give it like 110% for a few weeks, yeah, I'm sure that after this period of time, you will wear yourself out uh, and then the motivation drops. And but being that, too hardcore, or maybe you just going, putting in maybe exerting too much unnecessary energy yeah, yeah, to the point yeah, where you, yeah. it's almost like overtraining yeah, to a degree yeah, if yeah. you can use that concept. Yeah, but I, I would say overtraining and maybe overthinking about training. Mm -hmm. uh, just, just maybe, yeah, you shouldn't, so yeah, like we discussed it before, you shouldn't make every, any, everything in your life about uh, training. Yeah, about training. Because you need that balance. Especially, yeah, if you're not a professional athlete. And most people in bodybuilding or powerlifting, uh, um, in, yeah, they, they, are, they can be a professional athletes. So um, you, have to, you have to adjust your training and uh, everything in a way that it fits into your life. Mm -hmm. Because if you manage to do that, I'm sure that you'll be able to train for years and years and real progress in bodybuilding and powerlifting is me is measured in years not, not in months yeah that's a so, great point yeah. actually if you don't get injured a person training 20 years for 20 years will always almost always be better than the one training in a few years yeah, I agree if you are talking about natural Bodybuilding and powerlifting. 100%. Yeah, I think yeah, I think you made some really good points there, Yuri, about the mental health of the sport, you know, the physical health, some really good mind frames to have if you're within the sport. And like you said, if you want to do this for a long time, and, and you know, I always say, you know, flexibility, sustainability, and something that you enjoy, it's got to tick those boxes because, again, you know, if you are a natural, natural athlete out there, um, you are in this for the long run, you know, as you said, it takes years. You, you're going to be spending a lot of hours and a lot of time in the gym so you want to make sure you enjoy it and I think a lot of people go into the gym and that's probably why they don't last because they're not truly passionate about it and they expect to see results that you might get in say 10 years in sort of one to two years and yeah. then they get yeah. deterred and then I think a lot of that comes down to knowledge as well so to transition out of that let's talk more about your specific training and maybe your coaches so you're, you're coached by the strength guys at the minute I'm sure people going to be quite interested because you have quite like for a power lifter and you won't mind me saying this but you are you're very well conditioned you're quite you're quite lean you look more like a bodybuilder or a hybrid in terms of you're quite well rounded you're quite symmetrical etc and i think this is a really good example of how well and again we've talked about this a lot ourselves the basics work if you can do them efficiently and why sticking to the basics of strength training is advantageous if you even are after aesthetics as your your base and your groundwork. So maybe talk us through a little bit about your training, how you train, how you train, maybe how it's changed um, so people can kind of gain that um, insight because there's a lot of people out there who see a physique like yours and, excuse me, it might be marketed very differently. We know there's a lot of clever marketing tactics out there, whether it's guys using, and girls using performance enhancing drugs, or they are promoting something that really is not in alignment to how they achieve that physique. So I think it's really good, again, you know, we wanna get the truth out there. People are gonna to wanna to know what it takes to look, I think, you know, the, or have the physique like you have. 
and they have a completely different ideology of what it actually takes. So maybe shed some light on that for us. Yeah, actually training is not as complicated as they are trying to make it. Mm -hmm. Basically, you just have to stick with some very basic com compound movements and just perform them for a long, long time and just sort of do, uh, just do a progressive overload. So gradually increasing weights over time. Yeah. And yeah. that's basically it. Yeah. The problem, Simple. yeah, the problem you don't hear about this very often is that you can't really sell this. Correct. Because it's not fashionable. Yeah, if you tell somebody, oh, just here, here's the training plan. Now do this for 10 years and you'll be good. And it's, it's almost too good to be true. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and that person uh, will be like, uh, yeah, okay, you're, you're not telling me some, something. Yes. And then maybe he or she will go to another trainer and that trainer will be like, oh, you have to do five sets of this. You have to do three sets of this. You have to do it at an angle or no, no, no. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and it, it seems so complicated that the person goes, oh yeah, this, this is it. This is the info I didn't have. This is the magic. Yeah, before and now I'm getting, uh, I don't know, ripped. <laughs> and then after a few months, yeah, you, you see them and they are the same. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. basically just because they are not following the, 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 the real, fundamental yeah, basics. The, yeah, yeah. And that's just train each muscle group several times a week with compound movements, mm -hmm. such as squats, presses, so bench pressing, dips, um, I don't know. Something. Overhead press, yeah. stuff like that. So basically right. just for the lower part, it's mostly squats and some pulling uh, motions such as deadlifts. Mm -hmm. For the upper part, body part, you can basically just push something away from you mm -hmm. or pull something towards you mm -hmm. and that's it. So if you were to do every training session in a manner of just performing maybe one lower, uh, one movement. Like having a main focus. Yeah, so having a main focus just for, in one movement for the lower body and maybe two or three exercises for the upper body. So maybe one or two pushing movements, and one or two uh, pulling movements, that, that's it. That's all you need. Yeah. Do this four times a week for five to 10 years and I'm sure that you'll look good if you do a progressive overload. So that means that over time, you should be lifting more. Mm -hmm. Basic progression. Yeah. But, and when you have this covered, you can go into, maybe into it, it more detailed. Uh, detailed and yeah, you can then talk about rep ranges or uh, mm -hmm. everything. Like intensity and yeah, all that yeah. and then rest time. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, I think most people are focusing on <laughs> like you said, those latter things that aren't as important, like you say they're focusing on a specific exercise or maybe the tempo where really that's not the most important yeah. thing. It's actually, can you perform the basic lifts correctly? Yeah, and, and perform them, time? I don't know, anywhere from five to 12 reps mm -hmm. and that's it. So there you go, nice and simple. Yeah. So in sort of alignment to that, uh, before we talk specifically about your training, we know that's kind of how you train, so well, yeah, basically, did you, did you when you were bodybuilding? Because I'm sure people might say, "Hey, well, it's all right for you to say that now." But when you were a bodybuilder, did you train a certain way? So maybe like just a, like so basically, that like, like, like I said before, 
I spent the first few years of uh, my as, uh, when I started training, uh, I trained like uh, as a bodybuilder, as mm -hmm. a typical bodybuilder. So I did maybe one or two muscle groups for training, yeah, a few times a week, and that's it. Uh, and, but it wasn't after I switched to a more of a I'll say maybe power building program. Yeah, so a uh, hybrid. Uh, yeah, so be, I know power building. I think today has slightly negative uh, connotations. Yeah, to, to yeah, yeah, but but it's not necessarily negative because power building for me yeah is just a mixture of some very basic movements that work, and combined with just a few accessory maybe more bodybuilding style yeah. uh, movements. So more like specific isolation yeah, exercises. Yeah. And I think that if you want to look great and be decent, strong, yeah, yeah that, that's the way to go. Mm -hmm. So basically what I did was changing from completely bodybuilding uh, movements, so mostly uh, isolation work, mm -hmm. to incorporating more and more compound movements. And, uh, and when I did that, I, I uh, improved the most and this is when you would say you made the most gains and yeah, like, or you yeah, added the most. Yeah. So for example, how much did you say weigh when you would start? And then what, you know, obviously there's a given period, but you would have added I five, 10 kilos. Over I honestly there. don't know. Yeah. It's, yeah, a problematic thing here is that I started training at a very young age when I was still uh, growing. Mm -hmm. So basically, I started training at the age of twelve. Yeah. So you were gonna grow no matter what. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree. So yeah, the weight training probably helped. Did you uh, find you responded quite well to weight training? Like I wouldn't opinion? say so. That back then, but I, I just put in work. Yeah. And after a few years, so it, it's interesting. Uh, in first, in first, let's say three years, mm -hmm. nobody said I was uh, uh, genetically gifted. Yes. It wasn't uh, until after training for, let's say, five years that people started saying, oh, yeah, it's easy for you, you're, you're genetically gifted. Uh, and I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, where, where were you a year or two ago when I was already training for <laughs> several years? And, and you no, were yeah. not anywhere near the standard yeah. or very quite small or maybe yeah. it's not as strong. But yeah, but yeah, when I went to high school, I think I had like fifty kilos, and now I have eighty three. Yeah. And and to give some context, and, and how tall are you? About five seven. Oh yeah. Five, yeah. 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 Okay. Um, um, Hundred seventy three centimeters. Go. There you yeah. go. So the last time I competed in bodybuilding in, in two thousand thirteen, uh, I think I was sitting around seventy five kilos. Yeah. So that's around two kilos more than uh, my. Yeah. If you subtract hundred, correct, and that's very respectable for someone that height, and it obviously being very very low body fat levels at that point in time, and even now, I mean we don't know exactly what you would be, but my guess, as a guess, um, as a coach would be anywhere between sort of eight and twelve, maybe fourteen max. Um, obviously body fat redistributions are different from person to person, but I mean I, I, your, I, all I, your abs are visible. You are quite aesthetic to look at you know you're I, I, not you're not the typical i think a lot of you know you see a lot of power lifters they, they are quite overweight um as you say give and take different horses different courses but i think that's where you are in a bit of a different sort of like you're in that um you're in a bit of a niche because you are you know you look very much like a bodybuilder 
maintain a very there's actually position. more and more i would say yeah it seems to be le going leaner power lifters especially in our weight classes yeah so 74 83 93 um so it i, I wouldn't put it yet that way that power lifters tend to be fatter mm -hmm. um, Depends on the weight class. Yeah, yeah. You you can see some really ripped people at the powerlifting meet. Yeah. Well, I've seen like I, I don't know if it's more the Olympic lifting. Like for example, yeah. I don't yeah. know if you guys have uh, or you've seen yourself or for you guys listening and watching the Japanese Olympic. I have seen and again, you know, there's obviously uh, niches where you know you've got outliers who are genetically leaner, uh, but obviously you know you're lifting a lot of weight. But some of those guys are almost they look almost stage lean and they are lifting incredible amounts of weight and then you know they're, they're very lightweight athletes yeah. but you know the technical aspect their skill acquisition you know their, their training years everything like that you know they're quite advanced but it is really impressive to see these guys throwing around you know some serious yeah weight. but then you, you have to bear in mind that these are the guys that have been probably training for 15 years correct yeah they're so, a lot more advanced yeah so, and that's probably one of the signs that you basically just have to stick some to some very basic movements and, yeah. and you will progress. Yeah, and again, just it's great that you're, you know, what you're saying, the, the information you're sharing because, again, focusing in what you can control versus what you can't control. We can live in a society where everyone wants that instant gratification whether it's through social media you know television and patience whatever it is and really everyone's kind of focused on what they can't control like they said people are very quick to go oh you know genetics or i can't do this because of that and they're blaming things that they're not in control of where if they just focused on the things that they can control like you know their training their nutrition their mindset and they were consistent with it they might find that actually you know what they probably got better results or yeah. get better results than they and, actually and believe. everybody uh, can be a better version of themselves. Agreed. I think at any point. So even if you're an advanced lifter or if you're a beginner, it doesn't matter what kind of a genetic background you have. Mm. From your point of view, if you train harder, you will be a better athlete or person. So I think that's the important reason or should be an important reason for you to keep up. Yeah. Uh, with the work mm -hmm. because yeah it, at the end of the day it's not about beating others or at least not all of the time mm -hmm. because yeah you go to competition to maybe place uh, fairly good yeah but hopefully you know do well or better than yeah. you did last time yeah but since power lifters and bodybuilders for the most part they don't make a living out of it i think the main motivation should just come from you being a better version of yourself so yeah I think and that's even if you're advice. not uh, let's say genetically gifted I'm sure that if you put in the hours when people would see you I don't know at the beach they would say oh he's a he, he's genetically gifted or maybe they yeah. think you're using something yeah for yeah, moment yeah, yeah but I think I, I, I'm certain that everybody can have, let's say, that wall factor. Yeah, yeah, like, agreed. Uh, that's, I think if that's you, great. Yeah, if, if you have bad or great genetics, yeah. yeah. 
ah, you can you can make a lot of a lot out of yourself Correct. and I think way way more than people people realize yeah the expectation versus reality you really, I think is out of context yeah, yeah. again mo- most people you know like I, I do believe I'm very positive myself as you know I do believe you can you know achieve again you know like my slogan fear nothing achieve anything I think you if you set your mind to something and you you know you're really passionate and you're serious and again you're consistent and all those things that contribute to success like you said I think everyone is capable of achieving something which yeah. is pretty damn you know incredible yeah to say the least yeah. so moving on and again quickly then maybe run us through your current training split and then I think before we wrap it up because we don't want to obviously go too long we could probably talk for hours as we generally do about training and nutrition and lifestyle but uh, maybe we'll touch base because I'm sure the guys are going to want to know like your nutrition so I might touch uh, base on that last and then just ask some rapid fire questions to finish off so run us with your current training split and then we'll, we'll sort of talk nutrition and, and so I have, there. I have my training organized by the strength guys mm-hmm. uh, Jason and Ben are the head uh, are my coaches yeah so they do sort of a co-coaching with that, which I think is a great idea because uh, brains of that one. yeah which yeah. will link in the description guys so you can follow that yeah. and well. it's been great I, I've been with them since March last year uh, so after the Arnold's in Ohio uh, I've made some I think pretty good progress unfortunately I had some minor uh, back tweaks just before the meets I was going to do so I, we didn't uh, I haven't done a competition since being with them but I think this year in 2019 we will finally be able to show the progress mm-hmm. and I'm sure that my training and my uh, powerlifting total has been uh, will be on a, uh, a different level yeah uh, uh, than before so before starting with uh, the strength guys I was training myself I was my own coach um, you've done pretty well with I, I, yeah but but then again I my progress sort of uh, plateaued yeah yeah I would say in 2017 late 2017 mm-hmm. and that was when I I started to think about getting a coach because I had so many things going on with dental practice and patients with the gym and everything that I just wanted to have someone that would be in charge of my training and I just wanted to go to the gym and do what I'm told yeah and not have to think about it for once yeah yeah uh, and when the strength guys when Jason uh, contacted me through email I was so surprised and uh, uh, happy yeah. uh, been quite humble I guess by it yeah well, it's yeah nice isn't it it's yeah a, bit of a compliment uh, and I, I had to think for about two seconds before saying yes, of course, uh, and yeah, it's been great. So my training split now uh, usually looks uh, something like this. So I have four training days a week. I would do squats and bench pressing two to three times a week, mm-hmm. and deadlifts one to two times a week, depending wow. on the uh, uh, cycle. I'm in, so the training cycle I'm yep. in. Um, right now, I'm just sort of transitioning from the off-season phase to the contest prep phase. My next competition is uh, in 
March, I think late March. So we have now about 10, 12 weeks to get yeah, ready. Not too far away. Yeah. So you start seeing you start peaking into that. Yeah, um, yeah. So competition, I now after the New Year's, we will gradually, gradually be going back to the heavier weights. Right. Uh, and just try to surpass my PRs. Uh, so basically it's four hours, uh, four days a week for about two hours um, and that's it. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. It's mostly just basic movements without some uh, variation. Mm -hmm. So if I do squats, I almost exclusively just do competition squats. If I do bench pressing, I just do regular bench pressing. If I do deadlifts, uh, I do my comp deadlift and that's it yeah so it's very sport specific yeah and it's basic, and very it's very simple, simple yeah and uh, I have some uh, accessories such as I don't know some rowing movements or <laughs> some uh, maybe pressing movements uh, but that's it mm. it's been really simple yeah. which I think is a testament to again how well the basics work yeah. if you apply them yeah consistently yeah um, as far as nutrition goes uh, I'm not following any nutritional program. Yeah, you uh, don't count calories or yeah, anything Yeah, I don't like count yeah. anything. I just eat whatever I like. Yeah. But you, I think the viewers should have in mind that I was tracking my calories for like eight years. So you have I, a good understanding. Yeah, I stopped tracking my macros about three to four years ago, mm -hmm. and since then I was just going. You're like eating intuitively, yeah. as they say. Yeah. You're yeah. eating mindfully, as yeah. whatever you yeah. want to put it across. Yeah. So right now I'm at about 84 kilos. I compete in the 83 cl uh, weight class in the IPF. Um, and basically it's been easy for me to sustain this, uh, to stay at this weight. Um, and that's if I need to go a bit higher or lower, I just try to eat a bit more you just or less. Adjust it. And yeah. yeah, yeah, based on common sense because yeah. you know your body. Yeah. And what sort of food groups? Do you, you generally eat or maybe run us through a typical day um, if you oh, do eat very similar or do you, do you is it very transient very different like or maybe just the main foods that you like to eat because I'm sure that people are interested to know what so I, I, such a powerful it probably comes from my bodybuilding years but I don't like to have maybe fatty foods yeah so you're not into the processed stuff like it, you, yeah you well, well it's not necessarily I'm not necessarily against processed foods mm. because I eat I eat a, I eat a lot of sugar and candy yeah. and everything. Yeah, I'm just not. So I prefer high carb, low fat diet or mm. lifestyle compared to maybe high fat or low carb. Okay, uh, which makes I, sense I, for performance. Yeah, I yeah. tend to feel better if I eat a lot of carbs and less fat uh, because I if I whenever I eat more fat. Uh, I tend to be a bit too full. Uh, maybe I can't eat then. For you feel a bit sluggish. Yeah. Maybe yeah. floated. Yeah, like yeah. Like you just find that it just doesn't agree with yeah, you if you yeah. have a really high fat yeah. diet, which is you know preference. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's it. Other than that, I have anywhere from one to ten meals a day. Mm -hmm. uh, I try to get in as much protein as possible, um, but I would say that. Maybe there are days that I only get 100, and mm -hmm. then there are the days I get to 50. Yeah. Um, so. so maybe if, if you had to guess what 
what calories and macros do you think that you fluctuate within? If we have, I, I would say that on average, I eat around three thousand calories per day. Yeah, uh, and that's it. Sometimes it may be. Yeah, like if you're hungry, you eat. If you're if not I'm hungry, hungry, I eat. Yeah, the problem is that people. sometimes I can't eat if I'm working, yeah. and when I'm working a lot, that means that you have a lot of time in a day that you can't eat so, so you have large so windows. basically so like basically yeah you, yeah you <laughs> eat whenever you have time uh, and i don't think i i can go past let's say four thousand calories if i don't have time yeah because it's just you just don't have the yeah. time to physically yeah. get it yeah. in and actually yeah. get it down yeah yeah no fair enough and you see you mentioned to me you like you like things like cereals Breads, I know you like. Yeah, you make a bit of a. Yeah, I, I'm actually not. I, I'm actually not that picky with you. you with pre- food groups, you just that, eat whatever. Yeah, it's pretty basic. Yeah, yeah. if it's far. high carb and at least moderate to low fat, it, I'm I'm gonna eat. It. So yeah. I, I'm not. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So again, I I really basics. I really I really don't complicate it when it comes to my intake. So which I think is a bit of a theme with your whole philosophy, which is I think it's a really good takeaway. Yeah, I. I uh, I would stress out that I think it's important for anybody to track their macros at uh-huh. least for some time to get that basic yeah. understanding initially yeah. and then transition. Yeah, yeah because you yes. kind of get that feeling of what you're eating, what what your intake is, uh, yeah. what certain food groups maybe even look like or mm-hmm. mean. Uh, so it sort of it, puts it, a bit of context, isn't it? Because I mean, I find with with clients and even you know obviously myself learning most people when you start you don't understand even sometimes how to read a food label you don't actually yeah. i think most people are underestimating how much they eat they have no perception it's almost like when you're young you don't really perceive hot and cold the same as when you're older and it's the same with calories so when you start tracking them it just it lays up i mean and i'm an advocate of starting that way or at least having some sort of structure because it does give you a bit of a better understanding so then you can go forth more successfully in the future and transition away from that without having obviously eating mm. disorders uh, etc because you're not totally just focused on calories or eating too much or not eating enough or binging or whatever it is mm. um, to a degree so before we wrap it up I'll, I want to have some rapid fire just interesting questions and just some basic stats I guess just things that people may want to know about yourself before I do that I'm just going to check it's still on <laughs> stranger things yeah we're still good Okay, so I'm just gonna ask you some really, really basic, simple questions, and I want you to just give the shortest answer you can, and then we'll finish it off by answering the the fearless question, if you like, that we always do on this podcast, or we will do going forward. Um, So, do you have a favorite food, and if so, what is it? I wouldn't say so. Maybe... If you had to to pick, like, a, a... Dessert or say a main or just like a sweet and a sour. <laughs> you wanted to say apple strudel. <laughs> <laughs> you should see his yeah, apple strudel. It's I, pretty I, epic. I, I love uh, apple strudel and go. I love ice cream. It's a secret to the game. So games. basically, I, I could eat ice cream every day, all day. I think we have that in common. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Any particular flavor or just anything? No, the 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 just the plain maybe vanilla. It's, yeah, it's good. But I like the. Uh, the fruit ones, yeah, I, yeah. I don't like the more refreshing ones. Yeah, I don't prefer the chocolate ones or the cookie ones. So. 
Yeah. Yeah. The, the, actually, this simpler than that. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. And and do you have a favorite color? And if so, what? No. No. You're no. just neutral. You don't I'm like neutral. Fair enough. And what about favorite music? And that can just be like when you're training, or is there anything that you like to listen to specifically, or you're just not no, bothered? No. Actually, I I spent so much time working uh, at the gym, and I actually throughout the years I worked at several gyms that I I sort of became immune to music. Yeah, you just switch off. Did you get yeah? Because we had heavy metal or some pop music or some rock music, and if you listen to it for. Uh, a certain <laughs> amount, a period of you time. You become conditioned. Yeah, yeah. You, you become sick of everything, I think. So right now, it n nothing really bothers me, but I can train without music, just as good. Yeah, So probably not a bad thing yeah. when you're competing as a powerlifter. Yeah. Right. Okay, and uh, the last rapid fire question I want to ask, if, if you could wake up anywhere in the world tomorrow and like, you know, just anywhere, no whole bars. Where would it be and why? Would it be would it be here in Australia right yeah, now? Yeah. Yeah, it would would be still here. Yeah. yeah, why? I don't know, the lifestyle here is just so it's it's different than from what we have back at home, but mm -hmm. I think it's just the right mixture of the American and European lifestyle. It's a nice balance. Yeah, yeah. So you guys have it pretty uh, pretty good, yeah. yeah, yeah I mean, well, good. we do, don't we? I'm not from here, but you know, <laughs> I've been living here a while, and it's it, I can concur. It's uh, we're very fortunate, right? And the last question I want to ask, which is a bit more of a serious one, um, which relates to you know overcoming your fears. What is one of the the biggest fears in your life that you've overcome, and what helped you overcome it, if any? Like was there anything? It might have been like I, I, like an obstacle or something. No, like you I, had a. I'm fearless. Yeah. Well, there you go. How's that? That's the perfect answer, isn't it? Fearless training. <laughs> yeah. Okay then. So, yeah, so he's uh, he's afraid of nothing and uh, he has no favorite music. He's just simple. Actually, guy. you know what? I, the the thing I was probably the most afraid of was when I was younger. I was always thinking. Okay, I hope I'll be proud of myself when I'm older. Okay. So when I'm, let's say, 25, mm -hmm. uh, maybe looking back to my early 20s, I always wanted to be proud of my recent past or recent years. Yeah. So everything I did was just, was. I was always following my, I don't know, personal general guidelines yeah and just try to make the most of every week or month and to just progress in different aspects of life mm -hmm. um, and yeah maybe that was my biggest fear that yeah. someday I would turn back uh, have a look and, and just be yeah like and I would just be oh yeah what, what have I done with my life yeah. so Maybe that was one of the things that kept me, uh, that, that pushed me through the years to, to, to succeed and achieve what yeah. you've achieved and, and to continue on. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, honestly, I, yeah, I think it's a great way to, to end a great conversation. I think we've talked about a lot of really good points that are very popular in the fitness industry and the health and fitness industry at the minute. I think there's a lot you guys can take away listening from this. Um, 
I think some of the key things that I've learned myself from my time that I've known you is the simplicity aspect of it, of not overthinking things, sticking to the basics, having the faith, turning up, putting that work in, and not really stressing about those little things, which I think we can all take a leap out of your book from Yuri. So thank you again for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great having you here in Australia, and I'm sure we will do a, another sector or another series, if you like, when I come and finally visit yeah. Slovenia, which I hope to do at the end of the year, guys. Um, I will put links to Yuri's Instagram in the section below. So you can keep up to date with him and check out his lifts and anything relevant that we've talked to in the podcast and the video. Again, guys, if you liked it, like, share, subscribe. If you think someone will benefit from this as well, stay tuned for many more. And Yuri, thank you again. Best of luck with your upcoming powerlifting competition in March. I'm sure you're going to destroy it and uh, achieve some great things. So I look forward to seeing your progress. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a great time. Fantastic. Cheers, brother. We'll catch you next time, guys. And as always, stay fearless. Hey. Cheers, brother. I appreciate it. An hour. <laughs>